Uh, just before I dive in, in honor of National Dentist Day, which will be next week, we have new toothbrushes for everybody. So grab one when you leave, please. I always thought it'd be awesome if you could start every day with a new pair of socks and a new toothbrush. I just think it'd make for a great day. We're not doing that, but you can start tomorrow with a new toothbrush. So please take one. Uh, as Dr. Garner said, this I've never spoken chapel before. This is the first time, never a Devo, uh, never chapel. So this is an honor for me, and I thank you for being here. I've heard some of you speak, and uh, I want to commend you for your preparation and your diligence. You are far more skilled than I at the things you say, and so I thank you for having done this before, but I also thank you for being here today. I recognize I am here with some regularity, so you, you know my face, but you might not know uh, much about me, so I'm going to start with that. I came in 2008 on a very small basketball scholarship, which was entirely appropriate because I was a very, very small basketball player. I tipped the scales at 119 pounds when I showed up on campus, and I did not last very long by, by my own choosing and recognition, and that was okay. In the couple years before I came to school here and then between uh, freshman and sophomore year, I was a coal miner. And when I say coal mining, people always look at me like there's a joke that I'm about to tell. And I promise you there was no joke. I just was a teenager that had to work in the mines in Western Colorado. I woke up at 4 a.m. I drove an hour there. I spent 10 or 12 hours underground. When I was done, I drove the hour home and I'd go to bed. It was, it's a fairly miserable existence, especially for a teenager. It's just brutal manual labor. You might be soaking wet because there's water underground. Mostly I got to carry railroad ties on my shoulders. That's the special job that they carved out for me. So I would not wish coal mining on anybody. Uh, my dad still does it and I'm thankful to him for that, but it is not very pleasant. So to go from that to coming onto campus was so sweet for me. I loved my time here. I studied education. And then I taught special education in Omaha for two years, but I now sell real estate. Uh, Lord willing, I hope I get to do real estate forever because I do love it. It's treated me very well. Just for perspective, the average realtor statistically sells eight to 10 houses a year. The last few years, I've been really thankful to sell 80 to 100. We had a little award deal yesterday, and it turns out last year I sold the 12th most in the country for all the Better Homes and Gardens realtors. So anyways, that was kind of a neat thing yesterday. I'm very passionate about exercise and I make sure I engage in that daily. Most mornings I'm up a little after 4 a.m. I head outside, I might do hill sprints, stuff on the track, CrossFit, whatever it is. Sometimes I'm back for breakfast and I've already done 100 minutes. I just really, really like exercise. A few weeks ago there was a race in Omaha where you run up the tallest building that we have, which is 40 stories. You can do it once or you can do it 10 and a half times. They're uh, separate races, and I trained very hard in secret for that, and I won both of those, so that was cool. And then there was a record previously set by the number two climber in the whole country, set it in 2019, and I took that record down. So that was kind of a neat thing, too. Training paid off. It's kind of a nerdy sport, but I enjoy that. So there's a little bit about me, but something I don't share very often with people is I'm kind of a, a crier, but not like where full tears fall onto my cheeks. I just get very misty-eyed about relatively ordinary things that I don't think most people ever experience any emotion about. And it's happened my whole life. The first time it happened, I think I caught myself. It was watching Space Jam. It just, it just hit me in a special way. And then Remember the Titans, which I've seen probably 200 times. I had no TV. I had a VHS tape. That was kind of it for entertainment. PD gets this great fumble recovery in the big game, and I'm just like starting to weep. 
or I had a friend in high school play in a very inconsequential JV basketball game that meant nothing, and there was almost nobody there, and he made two really important free throws, and they won the game, and everyone's celebrating, and I'm definitely secretly wiping tears out of my eyes because I was just so happy for him and proud of him that all the work he put into it paid off. So maybe I'm just too simple-minded, but I just get an immense amount of joy from watching people do things really, really well. That's why I like musicals so much, because you can sit in the dark and you get to witness people with wonderful gifts from God and the training and the decades of work they put into it. And then for a couple hours, you get to witness it. And most people at musicals smile a lot because they're entertained or they're bored because they got drugged there. And I'm convinced I'm the only person on every musical number starting to almost cry again and secretly wiping out my eyes. So I just think it's amazing to witness people do good things. And again, maybe that's just too simple-minded, but uh, it brings me great joy. The thing that brings me even greater joy, though, is watching sincere uh, and faithful Christians live out a Christian life. It brings me no greater joy than witnessing people committed to serving the Lord uh, and serving others. And I will admit, it is a very selfish reason that I come here with the regularity that I do, because I so enjoy watching the Christians on this campus whom the administrators and the faculty and the staff live the way they do and say the things they do and walk the way they walk. And even if I just come for chapel and I give out some toothbrushes and I go home, I get to experience that, and even that's enough for me. Sometimes I listen to the podcasts uh, from the well because I'm obviously not here all the time, and there's been some very profound things said from this podium. Uh, November 14, 2022, Bobby Dehart spoke. If you weren't here, I would go back and find that podcast episode, November 14, 2022. Stedden Sykes, sincere Stedden Sykes, spoke about giving up or letting go some of his enthusiasm for golf so he could better serve the Lord. Billy Lonis in the front row, 2017, you got to find it on YouTube and it's way at the bottom. He said, and you might remember, he said, my fear is you come to school here for four or five years and no one ever took the time to talk to you about Jesus. He said, I will do that for you. You can call me and you can come by my office. He said, I don't care what I'm doing. I will stop that very thing because we're going to talk about Jesus. So some very profound and special things are said here and I like to witness it. It's one of the reasons Christian funerals are so special. And we had two of those this year with the passing of Gail Miller and Mike Rush. And it was sad, but a wonderful celebration where we got to remember the life that they lived, a well-lived life, serving the Lord and serving others. And that was just immensely special. I was pretty profoundly impacted by faithful Christians on this campus. Uh, and at the front of that list, I will always put Mike and Janet Rush. They invited me to live inside their home. I became one of their family members for almost two years, and they exemplified a, a Christian generosity that was really unmatched. They demonstrated to me what it meant to be a Christian spouse, and I will cherish those memories for a really long time. So they're at the front of the list. I was actually so impacted by them and other faithful Christians on this campus getting to witness that between them and so many others and studying with my wife, or now wife, Megan, uh, made the decision to obey the gospel. I put on Christ in baptism January 25th, 2010, East Hill Church of Christ, winter evening surrounded by a few friends. And for that decision and for knowing Megan, uh, I will be eternally grateful for those two things, and I owe York University both of those. I was actually so impacted. I remember sitting in Mike and Janet Rush's home up in one of the upper bedrooms. That's where they let me, that's where they let me stay. And I made a commitment to myself. I said, I'm going to do the things that I can to make sure somebody else, and hopefully a lot of somebody else's, 
gets to come to school here. I became very motivated by that idea that I had such a wonderful experience. I want to make sure someone else gets to have the same. So that paired with a kind of an, I, I became very obsessed with the idea of getting out of debt. I just, I became obsessed with it. I just recognized student loans, of course, at that point would become, could be a major hindrance to the things I hope to do someday. And debt gets in the way of doing a lot of other good things with your money. And so I said, I've got to, I've got to change my lifestyle. So I started to do some really crazy things and faculty and staff who were here might remember some of this. Uh, one, I got a job and it was a full-time job. I worked at Mosaic. I provided, I provided care for adults with pretty severe disabilities. And it was always 40 hours a week, oftentimes 50 or 60. There were some summer times, it was 70 or 80 hours. And I remember a very miserable and lonely week of Christmas in 2010. It was 93 hours and I signed up for all the hours they would give me. It was not very pleasant. It was not a fun way to go through school, but I said, I'm gonna work as much as possible because again, I was trying to get to a point where I could be even paying off my loans as I was taking them out. So I made that little adjustment in my life. I started taking way more classes than was necessary to, for a full-time pace. I took 18 hours every semester and I took 18 hours two summers in a row. I just recognized the efficiency of the more classes I took, the sooner I'd be finished. I'd accumulate, accumulate less debt in that process and uh, take down the hindrance to eventually some of the generous things I hoped I could someday do. So all I did is go to work and all I did is take classes and those are the only two things that I did. It was relatively uh, miserable at times that those were my only two pursuits. I decided to spend no money at all. I mean, I cranked it down to nothing. Uh, I didn't go out, I didn't go out, go out to eat, I didn't buy clothes, I didn't buy coffee, I didn't buy energy drinks, I didn't even cut my hair. And I had long stringy hair, as some might remember, uh, and I wouldn't even get it cut, so I borrowed some headbands from a friend, and I just wore those headbands to keep the hair out of my face. It was a weird and useful tool, but the headbands were the secret to not having to get my hair cut. I committed never to driving my car, and it was a fine and nice car, but I said, I will never drive this because it obviously uses some gas, and I want to spend nothing in pursuit of getting rid of debt and being able to be generous eventually, so I bought a bike. And don't get too excited, it was a $20 bike, there was a man, or I believe it was a man across campus used to sell bikes from his front lawn. And I think I put $20 in his door and I took the best one from the pick of the litter, which was the BMX bike, which I know was totally meant for kids. But I rode that bike everywhere and we had a very close relationship. The weather, I promise you, never deterred me from riding that bike. You've been here on some miserably cold days. They were all miserably cold when I rode it outside, no matter where I went. If it was Walmart, I would take the bike. Beyond that, of course, I'd take my car. I'd get up to go to work at 6 a.m. and get off at 10 p.m. It was nighttime, it was dark and cold and miserable. I did not have winter clothes, not proper ones, so I just piled on all the clothes I could, and I topped it off with this hand-me-down pair of sweats that I got from a friend, and that was my riding gear. If it was icy, I would crash my bike, because you can't see the ice coming when you're riding a bike. If it was snowy, I would just put the bike up on my shoulder, and I'd carry it to where it was clear enough again, and then I'd keep riding that bike. Uh, and again, it was not very pleasant, but I just, I was kind of fixated with this idea that if I can endure this for, it was about two years long living that way as I finished classes. One, I'm going to endure it. I'll grit my teeth and I'll get through it. And if I do it, then I can, I have a lot better chances of making sure no one else ever has to go to school this way. And I know that's like totally bizarre at 19 or 20 to say, I'm going to do some really dumb and unsafe, foolish and sacrificial things so that some other 19 or 20 year old someday never has to go to York this way. 
and they can have the full experience, but I was just intensely motivated by that. And it's taken me a little while to refine that principle a little, but this verse does it pretty well. The portion that says, serve the Lord faithfully with all your heart, consider what great things he has done for you. And I don't know how I had the wherewithal. Maybe that was a, a small gift from God to give me that wherewithal, just to recognize all the really good things that go on on this campus, the way I was treated by Christian faculty and staff and administrators. And it just drove me to the idea of, I want to serve the Lord. And I hoped and then surmised in all of that, it allowed me to, it, it would, that York University would be one of those places I could do that. So I know when I zip that bike across campus and I was a weirdo, I mean, I did not think I was a weird person, but when I look back, I was definitely a weird student on this campus in bright headbands and long hair and baggy sweats and a kid's bike. And I rode it fast because it was cold and I raced past my classmates. And I bet they probably kind of laughed a little bit and that was okay, I never really heard it. What they didn't know, which I don't know if they need to now, but what I want you to know is, uh, I did that for them, the concept of them, and I definitely did that for you. I sat at Mike and Janet Rush's home when I was 20 years old and I said, I'm gonna do some crazy stuff. And then hopefully someday I can make contributions that are material enough to add up to assisting some person in coming to school here. So I want you to know I did that for you. But it was, I was motivated by all the things that one God was doing for me and what the Christian faculty and staff and administrators did for me. And it was very, very special. There are things that happen on this campus that do not happen anywhere else. I'm pretty confident of that. And it's because this was a school created by Christians, run by Christians, organized by Christians, and full of faithful Christians who do the things they do because they love you and they care about you and they wanna, they're devoted to the mission of this place. And that's to demonstrate the love of Jesus to you guys. I shared Billy Lonis's fear that he had shared in 2017. I will tell you one of my fears is you have a wonderfully great experience here and you chalk it up to, I got a degree and that was neat and I had pretty nice teachers and I even made some great friends and that's all you see this place as, but you fail to recognize or for some you refuse to recognize, it's as good as it is because of faithful Christians who pour in way more hours than they're supposed to because they care about you. They invite you into their homes. When you break up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, I know you go to professors because they will listen to you. When you have family difficulties, you spend weekends with professors, you have dinner in their homes. They don't, need, they don't have to do that, but they choose to do that. They could take their talents and skills to a whole lot of places, but they choose to do it here because they're faithful Christians. So here's my encouragement to you. You recognize the good things God is doing for you. You recognize that a whole lot of that flows through York University. A whole lot of that is because it's, it's because you're surrounded by faithful Christian adults who really love you. So please consider the good things God has done for you. Please be encouraged by the faculty and staff and the administrators that we have. I hope the influence you let them have over you is a, is a, is a piece of what transforms your life here. I'm thankful to hear for you. I'm thankful you are here experiencing all of that. And my hope for you is it does transform your life. Thank you so much.